Tokes. Welcome to the next episode in our Back to Basics mini-series. The series is an opportunity to revisit some of the major tenets of crypto, from Bitcoin to wallets and security, from mining to staking. Today we speak with Jason Potts, Distinguished Professor of Economics at RMIT University and Co-Director of the Blockchain Innovation Hub. His research work focuses on the economics of innovation and new technologies, and he's written five books. Jason talks to us about the watershed moment that was Ethereum, a revolutionary technology that he thinks can transform the global economy, leapfrog developing nations, and potentially usher in a post-nation state model of governance as a new economic infrastructure. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Jason, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. I'd love you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and, and how you came to crypto. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So, um, so I'm, I'm Jason Potts. I'm a professor of economics at RMIT University and the co-founder, along with Chris Berg, of the Blockchain Innovation Hub, which when we founded it in 2017, was the world's first sort of social science business school um, institute um, focused on, on, on blockchain. Um, but I, I got obsessed with this um, a few years before that. So my area, I'm, I'm I'm an innovation economist, and I study economics of technological change and the causes of long-run economic growth and change, and just essentially obsessed with with the sort of the, the the economics of how new technologies get into an economy and drive economic growth and change. And about seven, eight, nine years ago, I sort of had a I had a list of technologies that were on my horizon, and these were three D printing and um, crypto and I forget what the other ones were, but just, just you know, basically sort of frontier digital technologies. And we're just interested in just sort of tracking how these how these these, these new technologies were changing. And I kind of I, I genuinely have forgotten what the other ones were because I just got completely obsessed with blockchain and crypto. Um, it just became a rabbit hole. And many people have had this experience of once you sort of open the open the box and start peering inside and going, what is this weird thing? Um, it you know it either repels you immediately and go, I don't like it, or you just become obsessed. And I I, I became obsessed with it um, and managed to bring in some of my other PhD students um, who are, you know, who um, PhD students are usually very easy to get obsessed with these sorts of things. So we sort of started just, this is around 2014, 2015, um, just sort of started to have a little reading group and discussion groups and just really looking into the, the economics of this, because we're a, a group of economists looking at this you know, this new thing in computer science, you know, essentially. And just at some point early on then, and it's, it's sort of, it's a very obvious thing to say now, but this was, this was basically prior to the Ethereum launch, for instance. And this, so we were really dealing with sort of the, um, you know, Bitcoin in its, in its early stage and we, where there wasn't really that much else, but mm. we immediately saw just that, you know, wow, this is a, this is a, fundamental this this technology is different to all the other technologies it was behaving differently um one of the other tech technologies i'd I'd studied a lot was things like you know mobile phones and and so on which are you know general purpose technologies that have transformed economies around the world and have been rapidly adopted but crypto bitcoin in particular um digital money this was this was something that was moving even faster and um, we just became absolutely obsessed with it and and 
but very early on, we arrived at this thesis um, that that this is a new type of institutional technology. Um, it's it's not like a an industrial technology, but rather it's it's a new technology of money, um, which you know you, you don't get that very often. And when we started sort of seeing what was happening with Ethereum, um, just you know all of the lights suddenly came on for us and. This, this notion of, of economic, of digital economic infrastructure um, that we could sort of see being built. And it wasn't being built by the usual suspects. It wasn't governments that were building it or, you know, nation states or big corporations. It was just, it just came from the web. Um, mm. So, you know, this, you know, for economists who are obsessed with, with the, you know, institutions of technology, this was just, a, this was something we had never seen before um, and quickly just dropped everything else um, and and this is what we've been doing ever since. So um, that's the origin story. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really cool. And I think you're right. Like the the pre Ethereum um, light bulbs all turned on. That's for sure. In fact, I guess you know that's the whole reason something like Ethereum exists and and other um, you know multi purpose uh, blockchains exist as opposed to as opposed to Bitcoin. But the point is that Bitcoin provided the initial um, moment of uh, that, that wow moment, you know, and and I think we saw a whole bunch of projects. In fact, one of the, the best introductory videos I ever saw um, on crypto was about Bitcoin and the and the potential for the Bitcoin blockchain network to be something that is more than just Bitcoin. And I think Coloured Coins was one yeah. of the projects that was um, you know floating around at, at the time. Uh, and there, there was there was a broad eyed, um, I guess understanding that that blockchain. That the blockchain was was really important uh, as an idea, as a novel uh, infrastructure, and so yeah, I guess um, what would be great is if you could tell um, me about uh, what the difference between you know Bitcoin and Ethereum was from your point of view. What yeah. what why was it such an explosive uh, moment in the space? Yeah, so I think um, what Bitcoin was was. You can immediately understand it as digital money, and people sort of started, you know, um, sort of seeing that concept. And you had that, that notion of the, you know, you know, the little golden coin that you see as the, as the motif that's circulating around. And a key insight for me was realizing that it wasn't digital money per se; it was digital money plus the payments network, plus the infrastructure. It was the Bitcoin protocol, you know, the Bitcoin blockchain, um, and. You know, on that you could have a digital money, but that that notion of the simultaneous service, the money service plus the digital economic infrastructure, was what the Bitcoin blockchain was, and it was that that key insight that was that that was what made it decentralized. That's what made it able to compete with with other institutional payments rails such as governments and so on, and and other things that, that enabled it to sort of sit separately, and then. Once you saw that, that the, the, the underlying protocol, the Bitcoin blockchain, that was the magical part of it. And so the question was, what else can that do? And so, you know, you mentioned things like colored coins and, and this idea of, you know, basically adding, um, which was essentially the first sort of non-fungible part of, of, of cryptocurrencies going forward, was that you could start to experiment with that. You could build other things on that infrastructure, on that digital infrastructure. And, you know, at some point, the... Um, you know, this was the the Vitalik Buterin insight was just recognizing that you know the bitcoins themselves were just a, a bit of code that were sitting on there that you that, were, that was you know, digital scarcity that you could send peer to peer to each other. Um, 
but anything that was code could be that. And that was the sort of, that was the beginning of this, this, this notion that you could put software into, on, onto, onto blockchains. And the software could synchronize and, and, and you know, and, and persist um, through time, so long as the blockchain um, enabled it to do that. And that, that sort of emergence of this idea of smart contracts as the, the service or the thing that was actually running on, on blockchains, like that, that was the, the real sort of next big step um, or the, the, the breakthrough that, that we saw with, with the Ethereum blockchain as the sort of smart contract blockchain. Um, but I, I, I never understood it in that way. I, I, when I first came across it, it was the, the, the dominant metaphor was, was provided by Gavin Wood and Gavin Wood was the, was the, um, you know, the other genius that, that sort of coded up the, the, um, the Ethereum blockchain blockchain and the metaphor that he used and it's we've sort of stopped using it now but i think it's a really useful one is this idea of world computer that that what the ethereum blockchain so the bitcoin blockchain is is a sort of digital money and it's a peer-to-peer network where you can sort of send digital money um you know on the protocol but what the ethereum blockchain was was to do was to to build on that to sort of say look we can we can have you know the the these tokens are representing our money but it's all just software it's all just code in, in in there yeah why limit it to a to a um utxo script we can have a you know turing complete state machine yeah that is uh distributed right so Absolutely. i think the world computer yeah. analogy yeah. is 100 percent the right way to think about ethereum yeah no, and, and that was the that was the key insight for me when i just suddenly re- realized just how powerful this this infrastructure was that you had this idea of creating a you know it's as you say it's a it's a it's a state machine it's it's a way of sort of keeping track of um, you know a whole series of of nodes able to run a script um, you know from you know anywhere on on the protocol but the way to think about that was that was a world computer we're all using the same computer and when I put something in it and you put something in it I can be sure that my bit runs you can be sure that your bit runs and we can we can then create um, you know, something f- that is far more than just sort of sending each other money messages, Bitcoin. We can now start to run programs, you know, and you know, what is that? Well, you, we now know that is DeFi um, and, and, and other sorts of apps that are, that are able to be, to be built on top of that. But, you know, DeFi was long in the future. This, this, this first sort of notion of, of a sort of a shared public Compute infrastructure for an economy. This this vision of a of a world computer, like that was the that was the big breakthrough. That was like you know twenty was it twenty fourteen? I think that 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 sort of really came through in the um, the first version of of the Ethereum blockchain homestead. I think it was called around twenty fifteen. But that 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 basic idea expressed in the Ethereum white paper, which was from twenty thirteen, um, you know, that vision was already laid out there, and that was that's you know, right. The Ethereum, the Ethereum white paper. We sometimes forget what was in that. You go back and look at it, and um, it's not just this this world of you know, smart contracts and world computer and and um, you know all the all the and the all the forerunners of, of DeFi. You, you've also got DAOs uh, mm-hmm. laid out there in, in excruciating detail about this idea. If we can do that, we can build, um, you know, we can build digital organizations on this, and they can be some programming. Yeah. So, you know, there was it was quite it's a, the, the the original Ethereum white paper is quite an incredible document for just how far into the future um, you know, Vitalik saw and laid that all out. Um, that was built around that vision of of um, world computer. 
Yeah, I think that's really a really good insight. And the especially, the, I mean, the DAO is a very interesting moment because there was one of the earliest, well, firstly, the, the original Ethereum website, um, it, it had instructions to create, you know, another token. So this, the, the ICO, you know, yeah. the ability to create as many tokens as you want was the default, you know, hello world use case for <laughs> Ethereum. Uh, and we saw what happened after that, right? Like it, so it exploded uh, the, the ability for people to create um, UTXO type tokens on top yeah. of Ethereum as the most simple kind of script. You know, Bitcoin on Ethereum, really, in in a way, if you think about it, and then um, and then have that as ultimately flexible, and then programmable, and essentially infinitely programmable, because it's you know this is a Turing complete, the EVM's a Turing complete scripting language. So we've got um, the the starting point, and one of the earliest uh, kind of big plays in Ethereum was the DAO, which was a, an initial attempt to create a decentralized org. Um, and it created, uh, you know, it created a split in the Ethereum blockchain, um, which we probably don't need to go into the details of. That, I think that's an episode in and of itself. But uh, but it is such an important thing to remember that these ideas were early and they were explored and experimented with very early. Yeah, and I think I mean, well, what is incredible about that, if, if just re- reflecting on what it was like to live through that period, was um, that that 2016-2017 period with the ERC twenty tokens, um, just how that. The, the energy and and um, just financial innovation that, that occurred in, in that, that period of time was just incredible to see. Suddenly you had this ability just to to um, to create a new type of financing mechanism to start a business just by issuing a token. And I think it, it, it took the world a little bit of time to catch up with that. I mean, it, it definitely took the regulatory apparatuses a long time to just realize what had just happened. Um, but that was an amazing explosion of just, of, of you know, entrepreneurial insight, some of which was incredible and, and st- is still with us, some of it which was just outright sort of scams that, that you know, <laughs> have, have fortunately mostly Failed experiments. Failed perhaps. experiments, we'll call them, yeah. But, you know, but just like there was a, what's, what's significant about that was that this was an, an enabling institutional technology that was created, um, that was just, that was just baked into impossible um, from the Ethereum um, protocol that you could you could create these new types of tokens. These new types of tokens created a new type of financing model. The new financing model created a new type of business model for a startup. The new startup business model then enabled all sorts of new infrastructure to emerge. Um, and you know, we think you know what what came of that? Well, DeFi, NFTs, the entire you know the 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 buzzwords of twenty twenty one. Yeah, all of the things that we're living with now were 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 layered were, were emergent consequences of that technological um, infrastructure or institutional infrastructure that, that, that was the Ethereum blockchain. Like it's, 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 it's an incredible thing to see uh, in the sense that we've, you know, we've, we've in a sense gotten used to that now and there's, you know, EVM competitors and there's an EVM sort of ecosystem space, but just that, um, you know, that was a, a technology that gave birth to new technologies. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it was, you know, that disrupted finance, it disrupted, you know, the you know, digital arts and, and content and, and collectibles and music industry and so on. And we're just at the stage now where, um, as you're saying, sort of we're starting to see DAOs emerge as just, just workhorses of, of institutional organization to hold treasuries and to do votes and so on. Um, but the, you know, the, the first one, um, the DAO, 
was that 2017 that that, that happened? I, yeah, I believe it was early. Around about then. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, again, that was just such an incredible um, just burst of, of activity. That So it was, it was developed by... Um, you know, as a proposal to create basically a venture fund. Um, and mm-hmm. this VC venture fund where you put an Ethereum into the DAO and then the DAO will go around looking for projects. And some of the early projects, um, if I recall correctly, it was Slocket was the was one of the first ones. Yes, which, well which done. Which was digital doorknobs, right? And you say, why do we need digital doorknobs? Well, that's Airbnb, right? It's, that's a, a way to sort of create a permissioned access to 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 bridge into, the, into physical assets such as hotel rooms or, you know, things like that. Um, it never got that far because the whole thing blew up before that. But what was incredible about it was just how big and how far, how big that got so quickly. Um, I think there was the DAO itself at, at one point had like about 20% of all the Ethereum in existence were, were put into it or we just, uh, that number could be wrong, but it was a, a very, very large yeah. and, and not insignificant proportion. Um, 150 million US dollars at the time, which I think I saw someone say it was that's about six billion dollars now. Um, <laughs> just, just this absolutely Already. enthusiastic pile in to, to create this. Yeah, and it was 2016 actually. It was a little earlier. Yeah, it? because by, by 2017 we had we had essentially a rip. You know that that yeah. caused a significant rift, and we, I yeah. just mentioned that caused caused a fork, um, yeah. a hard fork in the Ethereum blockchain, but. Um, by 2017, you know, we were well into ICOs and CryptoKitties and, and we kind of exploded again. But yeah. I mean, what, what you, one of the things you mentioned just then that I found particularly interesting was this idea that, you know, we are, um, we have new forms of economic activity as a result of um, these technologies. And that is because it's not just about disrupting, it's about greenfield opportunities, right? And yeah. could, you, could you maybe talk to me about a couple of things that you've seen that are, I mean, we've, we've just mentioned kind of a bad DAO, but, you know, DAOs are now, being used so frequently, uh, becoming you know they're being recommended as a as a company type in it by the by a federal government inquiry here. So there's um, you know that's one thing. But tell me about some of the DAOs that you've seen that are really interesting, and also perhaps some some of the other um, you know innovations that you know haven't fitted the mold, you know ha- yeah. that don't fit the mold. Yeah, look, let me let me step through this a little bit um, to go back in history. So um, I'm, an, I'm an economist that specializes in the nature and causes of long-run economic growth and change. And one of the key answers that economists always give to this is property rights and institutions, you know, basically high-quality government infrastructure that provides um, public in, in, in infrastructure such as money and law and order and property registries and just all of the things that make the economy function that you don't even think about um, as, as, as being a key part of the economy. But that stuff is costly, it's expensive, and it doesn't work perfectly everywhere. So, um, in, in, so in particular, we have very good property rights over things like houses and boats and you know just large capital objects. But property rights work really badly over a lot of other stuff, particularly human capital and um, intellectual property and knowledge and, and lots of other things, um, particularly the creative industries, you know, the music industry and so on. Are, it's, it's expensive to do that there. So what you end up with is that you know, economies and markets and capital gets allocated to places where all of the economic infrastructure is good um, and, and not otherwise. One of the most striking things about what the what crypto, uh, what blockchains have been doing is, um, you know, what are what is 
a cryptocurrency, it's digital money. What are smart contracts? It's digital agreements. Um, what are NFTs? They're digital property rights. Well, what is DeFi? It's digital finance. What is DAOs? It's digital organizations. So the, the thing about all of that is that this is what blockchains are bringing us is very high quality, low cost digital infrastructure that doesn't just replace the things that are already there. I mean, we've already got government money and now we've got digital money. So there's some, you know, in a sense, that's those are in competition. But, um, and, you know, and that competition is, is it better? Is it faster? Is it cheaper? Does it work better at international scales? Is it less, you know, resistant to attack and, and, and censorship and so on? And, and all those margins, you've got, you've, you've got some advantages that the cryptocurrencies and blockchains are bringing. But one of the most interesting things, I think, is actually the possibility of just creating new types of property and new types of property rights um, that enable things that previously weren't in the economy to come into the economy. And um, you know, so the, the one that I just, I mean, I, I think the some of the most ex- interesting and exciting stuff right now is actually in the music industry, it's in the creative industries, it's in the education industries. It's this ability to take um, lots of legacy ways of doing things such as you know, providing education or universities or whatever, reconceptualize these as platforms, um, reconceptualize these platforms as just ways of people coming together and making agreements about stuff. Um, I want to be educated. I have knowledge to, to give, you know, mm-hmm. matching markets. Um, and then provide ways of um, making those agreements, dealing with that identity, uh, making payments into the future, just, just, just enabling cooperation, enabling people to make agreements about stuff for mutual gain and benefit, um, and to, to just increase the scope of, of, of what that is. And I think this, we're just, we're at the very early stages of this right now. And some of the experiments that we're seeing sort of, you know, um, just random examples, like sort of play to own games, like, you know, Axie Infinity and so on, and all these other sort of new ways of behaving that are, um, that are enabling people to um, create incomes for themselves or to create to use their skills in different ways or to tap into global labor markets and so on um, this this type of you know fundamental change in economic infrastructure when it's happened in the past and times it happened in the past where um, you know the creation of global trading markets the creation of global money the creation of just just the creation of economic infrastructure at the level of nation states and so on whenever that happened we saw you know, for decades and sometimes centuries after that, just huge explosions of economic wealth, but also human prosperity and peace and flourishing and just, you know, many good things came from that. The reason I'm excited about blockchain technology, the reason that, you know, Ethereum sort of jumps out at you as, as a very clear example of what this, these capabilities are, is that this feels like the first time we've been able to rebuild economic infrastructure completely in terms of identity, payments, money, contracting, agreements, um, registries, and so on at a global scale. We've never, ever done that mm. before. We've done it at nation state scale. We've done it at the level of you know, kingdoms and so on. But the idea of just rebuilding a global economy, the economic infrastructure for it. Um, now, who benefits from that? Um, the answer basically is everyone who was left out of the previous industrial, you know, era of, of economies where you had, you know, one billion or maybe two billion at most of the world's population did pretty well because they had high quality economic infrastructure. They had good governments. Um, but most people in the world historically have been left out. And the reason they were left out was just poor quality economic infrastructure, whether it was the court systems or corrupt mm. governments or just 
lack of access to to capital or you know to international markets. Um, so that, I mean, that's to me that's the that's the big argument about what why does this stuff matter? Why is it why is it more than just another amusing thing on the internet? Um, this is turning the internet as an enabling technology, a communications technology, into economic infrastructure, and mm. we are basically. 10 years into that, you know, strictly speaking, we're 13 years into it. But I, I really date this from the beginning of Ethereum, um, because that was the moment that we started to see it break out of just a, a money into a, the, the technical infrastructure for all of the other stuff, for contracting, for registries, for agreements, for, um, you know, and for organizations, for finance, and so on. And, you know, that, that's the EVM. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I believe that you know EVMs will be with us. You know, this is now part of the world for you know who who knows maybe mm. the next ten years, hundred years, who knows? But um, we'll have new competitors to that. But that basic idea of just digital smart contract, globally functioning public economic infrastructure um, is the is, is the big significant event in our lifetimes, and um, you know it's incredible that we get to we get to be, participate. Yeah, I think I think that is a, a really um, fascinating point, and and one of the previous episodes that I ran on on the show with with a project that's you know essentially um, you know working with uh, participants on the play to earn in the in the play to earn space and and building pathways for them to get access. Um, yeah, the, this is a, a global scale um, enabler, and and you know when it comes to things like. Um, trust in institutions and and the potential for corruption. We know that these are problems that don't go away, and even in even in developed economies uh, and and relatively robust economies like like ours, um, you still have to um, work hard at those things. So yeah. if this can leapfrog, um, if this can leapfrog um, communities into um, heavy du- duty governance infrastructure, then yeah, that, that that's a that's a game changer in some ways. Yeah, I, I really think it is. I, I do believe this, and I think this is why the a lot of the challenges that we've got now, you know, in, in the blockchain space. I mean, there's they're still technical. We still we're still trying to build mm. better technical infrastructure, and you know, we want lower costs, and we want we want more environmentally friendly, um, you know, consensus mechanisms and so on. But I think the where we're the hard problem at the moment is is how this interfaces with the regulatory state and whether it's mm seen as an opportunity, a way of you know, effectively taking, you know, my vision for what I'd love to see Australia do in this, in this context is, you know, Australia has a pretty good regulatory um, infrastructure. The, the idea is how do we build that, how do we hard code that into, into a protocol that then becomes the basis for trade infrastructure or a basis for ways um, you know, for for a credentialing infrastructure, or identity infrastructure, or, or you know, a taxation infrastructure, or just other ways of of just trying to um, enable you know, good rules for governing societies to be represented um, in code to the extent that the, you know, to the extent that is useful to do, um, and it's 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 not always, but um, but that idea of 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 then being able to export regulatory infrastructure um, through protocols that that reach that reach out along you know in a maybe in a 
education, you know, for credentials um, or for licensing or for um, trade infrastructure and so on. I think like this is the next step with this. And what's what's also interesting to see is that this is now a new type of competition between governments and nation states and city states mm-hmm. about the you know effectively creating you know the, the translation of of regulatory and legislative frameworks into blockchain protocol you know, infrastructure um, and then overlaying that with you know these new types of whatever it is that happens post nation states and, <laughs> yeah, um, I, whatever that may be whatever yeah. that may be you know like i i, I my my own personal belief on, on where we're headed towards is city states, um, more and more city states, um, but also this sort of these sort of broad alliance, these broad sort of overlapping infrastructures that are you know that are web scale, that are internet scaled, that are you know essentially backed by or mapped out by the sort of types of regulatory and legislative frameworks that they that they represent. And you know the closest that we have at the moment to those things are things like trade treaties or or security alliances, or these sort of supranational um, political agreements. So the question is, what does that look like in, in, a, in, a, in a blockchain space? Um, and you know, we're still very early in that, but I think this is this is the beginning of. I mean, that, that's that, that's where you know Ethereum World Computer was the first opening of that door, and 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 that, that projection of a, of a new you know, economic infrastructure, then creating socio-political infrastructure um, to come next. Well, I think that's a perfect point to to leave our listeners. We've blown open a new a lid <laughs> on some new ideas and, and that's what we're here to do. So thank you so much for your time again, Jason. I hope you have a great Christmas break and, and uh, re- really appreciate your insight today. Yeah, absolutely my pleasure, Jonathan. This is a fascinating topic and look forward to discussing this more. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller and this has been the Crypto Frontier.